Recorded live. Welcome to Camp Constitution Radio with your host, Hal Shirtliff. This show is heard on WBCQ The Planet every Monday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, broadcast out of beautiful Monticello, Maine, in Arista County. And we also are heard, and heard on ipmnation.org every Saturday afternoon at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is a uh, New Hampshire-based online um, talk radio show. And also uh, tunein.com. You go to tunein.com, you put in WBCQ, and you can hear the, all the programs live uh, as, they're, as they're being broadcast on the station, not necessarily live. And we do uh, put up most of our radio shows on Camp Constitution's YouTube channel, so uh, visit the YouTube channel, and please subscribe to the channel. Um, it's hosted, uh, this, it's, uh, sponsored by, this show is sponsored by CampConstitution.net which, among other things, runs a week-and-a-day-long family camp. And this year, it, it will run in Ringe, New Hampshire, at the Toa Nippi Christian Retreat Center from July 2nd to the 9th. And we have a great lineup of speakers. Unfortunately, one of our featured speakers, our most, most favorite, Chris Ann Hall, is not able to make it, but she's on here on the line now. Chris Ann, how are you doing? I am doing fantastic. Great to talk That's to you, Hal. Well, same and I'm here. Still and so, I'm still so very excited about your Constitution Camp because it is, it is just an amazing experience for the kids. My son is, is is a huge fan, and uh, I it comes wholeheartedly uh, recommended. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Well, this would have been your fourth year, so usually mm-hmm. if you come back the second time, it's someone it's something someone likes it. But as you probably right, know, right. we're uh, we're expanding. I just be, I became full time. Thanks to the generosity of many camp supporters and a little, I know, bit of, congratulations. Uh, a little bit of faith. Well, thank you. A little bit of faith. Uh, I should say a lot of faith. I was going to say uh, a lot of faith. <laughs> yeah, because as you know, you, you're doing this full time, and God has blessed you. I don't yes. know if I want to travel as extensively as you. Uh, my wife will put my face in a milk carton, you know. <laughs> I, I used to do a lot of traveling like that, and I used to kid people. I'd say, when I see my face in a milk carton, it must be time to come home. But so, uh, right, right. But, but we have uh, and one, of, uh, one of the classes you were going to teach, and I like to, that's what I like to have our show, was uh, Founding Mothers. And uh-huh. I, 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 won't, I remember you and I, uh, we, went, we took a trip to the State House, a field trip to the Massachusetts State House. Uh, mm-hmm. It was last year two years ago yeah two years ago and uh, there was a long line of people getting to security and i said well let me take you to see where james otis is buried and we went down to the old granary burial ground where there's some uh, john hancock paul revere's parents uh who else uh, robert treat Payne, sam adams and um and there was a lady oh, we saw who the was... graveyard we saw the graveyard with chris basatic in, in yes that's yes. right yeah chris that was Bissatics, very exciting too. that's correct yeah <laughs> And uh, the lady, it was a lady there, sort of what they call an interpreter. She was dressed in colonial outfit, and she, mm-hmm. I think you, I think we asked where is where was Mercy Warren Otis buried, and the woman mm-hmm. said, well, they didn't really care about the women, and you, you let her know in real certain <laughs> terms that, that the women played a very significant role. And if That's I'm not great. mistaken, That's was great. it was it? Uh, you mentioned this at camp one year. I think it was Lord Cornwall- Cornwallis. And maybe you could fill the, uh, quote him directly, but something about if the once they take care of the men, they still have the women to, the women to contend with. Yeah, was he the one it that, was ac- well. That was the, that's the he was involved in that event. Uh, the British troops had just won a victory over uh, the American 
uh, troops and a British soldier came up to Cornwallis and they were all kind of, you know, happy and celebrating. And the British soldier said to Cornwallis, he said, uh, we may we may eliminate the American men, but we'll have all we can do uh, to control the women. And That's it was right. uh, the women were such an important and intricate part of of who uh, our American our, our American forces were. I mean, they couldn't do what they did without the women. And uh, it wasn't just the women staying home and doing laundry and feeding the kids. They were they were fighters, and they were they were involved in the battle. And um, by the time that General Cornwallis had gotten that news, the women were not only on the battlefield with the men, but they were also engaging in a economic and political war. So uh, by the time General Cornwallis had gotten that news, the women, the American women in this battle for liberty had almost completely decimated the English linen industry. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I remember when we took a trip to the Lexington Green uh, last year, they had mentioned that the, the, uh, it was a week before the Battle of Lexington Concord, mm-hmm. how the women were just totally committed to the cause and, and you know, not just knitting mm-hmm. things, but they're putting their lives on the line. And there's right. a few ladies. Right. Now, if I was to ask you, what, in your opinion, which, uh, any, what, what woman stands out more than the rest as far as uh, one of the top leaders of, of, of the movement? Well, I would I would have to say there are there are two, but for two different reasons. Uh, for me, number one is is Mercy Otis Warren. She captured my heart uh, from the very beginning. She she was uh, self taught, but you know how back then everybody was self taught. That's right. And she was um, she was the first American woman playwright, and she wrote a Shakespearean style plays in the form of satire poking fun at the British government. Her plays were put on all over uh, the colonies and uh, gaining support for the liberty movement. She was also the first American woman historian who um, wrote a three-volume set about the, the revolutionary process called The Rise, Progress, and Termination of the American Revolution. And she said she wrote this book. She said, I have to write this book because I lived it. And uh, she was she was not just a writer, but she was a confidant. She she uh, was pen pals with John Adams and Thomas Jefferson and George Washington and her her husband, Dr. James Warren and Samuel Adams. These men came to her for advice. And uh, it's amazing to read the letters that they shared with each other. By the way, you motivated me to uh, to actually buy the book and, and read it. Yes. And and here's a lady. This isn't someone writing it 200 years later, but this was a firsthand experience, which is usually right. one of the best sources. It also motivated me to do a little historical uh, trip, and I found where she's buried and and burial burial hill in Plymouth. And I did mm-hmm. a little video. I, I put a little video clip together on our right. Camp Constitution site, and I actually uh, I found a desk that she owned, her house in Plymouth, which is a restaurant there now. And then went down to the courthouse in Barnstable, where there's a statue of, of, of her and her brother, and the Historical mm-hmm. Society. And I said, is her house still standing? And he said, no, but here's a banister from the house. And so I pulled the banister oh. up. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> how they awesome. said They had the banister left. But she also wrote a tract. Initially, she was not in favor of the Constitution. 
and she wrote a tract on the subject, and it's it is available. Um, and I think there were some that there were a number of people that had barely passed in Massachusetts because they were concerned that um, you know different they would give too much power to the central government. But I think uh, eventually they uh, they thought it was a worthy thing. But she did have some initial misgivings. Yeah, well, she wrote um, uh, she she wrote that book with such candor that she ended up uh, making John Adams very angry about the book. John Adams oh, really? wrote, yeah, John Adams wrote her a very scathing uh, letter <laughs> after he read that book, which which I think makes the value of it even greater because somebody's apt to say, you know, you can't read a book written by a woman back in that day. It would be so biased and so skewed and, and you wouldn't get the truth. But the truth of the matter is, uh, it is the best original source text in one place that you can get for all that piece of history. And she didn't write it, you know, glorifying so many people. Uh, she wrote it as she saw it. Well, that's what uh, what Cromwell said, War- paint me warts and all, right? Not just uh, what we mm-hmm. want to hear, but the, everything. Um, mm-hmm. So what other, who was the other uh, woman that you believe was uh, the most, one of the most significant ladies in our founding era? I- uh, her name is Penelope Barker, and uh, she pulled, just 10 months after the Sons of Liberty uh, pulled the men together for uh, the uh, protest against the East India Trading Company Tea, she pulled the get- women together in Edenton, North Carolina, in the home of Elizabeth King, and she really organized the women to become a part of the the political and economic movement. She is the organizer that would eventually uh, be the reason that the soldier came to Cornwallis and said that because it was because of Penelope Barker that the women stopped purchasing uh, all the uh, English mandated goods. And she organized the women to uh, travel throughout the colonies and teach each other how to make linen out of flaxen and wool and mm-hmm. how how to make tea out of sassafras and raspberry because one of the big contentions that the colonists had at that time was that the British government was mandating that they purchase the English-made linen and the English-made goods. And these women got together and and signed a petition and said, we are not going to purchase any English-made goods until the laws that have enslaved our people are repealed. And they not only signed this petition, but they sent it on to the British government, which is really huge because they were they were acting in treason. They were saying, we're going to disobey the law, and here is our name. Well, when you know they sent their first and their last names, they also um, were sending the names of the men in their family. And the interesting little bit of historical trivia is that as soon as the parliament got those names, they realized that a majority of the women on those names on that list shared the names of men who were English merchants. And so these women, not only pledging to break the law, but pledging to purchase no English made goods, were sending over the names of men who were English merchants, which means those men would not keep their jobs and they would be charged with treason too. Wow. Incredible. 
Um, I know that in New England we have our share of a uh, very famous lady, uh, well, maybe not so well-known, but I'm trying to get the word out. And one of them is uh, the first female militia uh, led mm-hmm. by uh, Prudence Wright in Pepperell, Massachusetts. And she today, is one of you... my favorites. Actually, yeah. Hal, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I actually got to hel- hold Prudence Wright's musket. By the way, where is that? Because uh, J- Janet told me that you did that, and I thought, where, where, where is that being kept? Um, you know, the man's I, the man's name escapes me right now, but he does, and um, he travels and teaches and does. He's a pastor, and he travels and teaches and does an amazing presentation on the restoration of the Black Robe Regiment. He is actually something, ha- someone how that you should look into having visits your uh, constitution camp because he would be an amazing addition. He's got a great program and he's a pastor and, and he does it like I do because we love those people. We love that time and we have a passion for, for liberty. And I got to go and sit through his presentation and uh, I actually taught after him. So we got to, to meet each What's other and name? it was a really great meeting. Uh, his first name is Dan, but I can't remember Right off the top of my head, um, I, I don't know. Uh, I can probably look it up here real quick. Yeah, I'd, but, I'd be very um, interested. Well, I first found out about Prudence when, uh, you know, traveling up in that. It's in Pepperell's about 50 miles north and east uh, of Boston, north and west of Boston. And it's uh, right on the New Hampshire border, right near Nash. Actually, that's probably about 40 miles, 35 miles out of Boston. And there's a covered bridge, and I've been a, co- a covered bridge aficionado. There was not a covered bridge there in 1775. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> when she stopped, it was a wooden bridge there. She stopped a British patrol, and she uh, all, all the men had answered the alarm and were uh, at the were involved in the Battle of Bunker Hill. Well, most of the men, and they um, she stopped a patrol. And initially, the men oh they thought oh these are these are you know, local militiamen. They figured these are a bunch of women. Ugh, they kind of laughed. Oh, what's, what are we worried mm-hmm. about? And one of the members of this band, the British, this British, uh, little British, these British mil- uh, army was a Tory, and it would happen to be the brother of Prudence. And she, he said something like, well, my sister says, you know, drop or she'll shoot. She'll shoot. And they captured some very vital information that I don't remember all the details, but if they hadn't done this, it would have been quite uh, quite harmful to uh, the efforts of the uh, co- uh, colonists. And she yeah, eventually I, I, got a yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. She eventually, yeah, she eventually got. I think she was the first one to actually get a pension uh, from the uh, from the federal government. Uh, I don't know what it was called federal government in those days for her services. And the first female to get it to be recognized as a veteran. Yeah, she. I teach about her in the founding mothers class. She's just amazing. She. Um, there's a. I'm trying to. Trying to find the poem that was written by one of her. Um, her uh, granddaughter, uh, maybe. Granddaughter. Yeah, that's an amazing poem because she actually. Uh, it was her brother-in-law that noticed that it was Prudence guarding the bridge. Oh, the and when okay, he, that, yeah. Yeah, when he found out that it was when he because he, he recognized her voice, and um, when he recognized her voice, he refused to go forward. And uh, the poem is 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 pretty interesting because the other uh, soldier that was with him, 
refused to retreat, uh, Captain Laurel Leonard Whiting. And uh, Samuel Cummings, which was Prudence, well, I guess it's Prudence's brother, she, he said, I recognize, history says that he says, I recognize Prue's voice and she would wade through blood for the rebel cause. And um, so he fled. And the story says that he never was seen by their family again. Really? But uh, yeah, he, uh, he, he, never, he never showed his face to the family again. And uh, they did capture that, the, the other Tory uh, uh, traitor who had, um, he had the information in his boot and they turned it over to the American troops. But the, the, um, the uh, uh, guy who does the Black Robe Regimen, his name is Pastor Dan Fisher. Dan Fisher, okay. Yes, yes. Yeah, and I'm it's F-I-S-H-E-R. F-I-S-H-E-R. And he is, he's amazing. You, if you just... Uh, if you just put in your search engine, Pastor Dan Fisher, bringing back Black Robe Regiment, you'll come up with an, a, a WordPress.com website. We'll actually have a, a video clip of the presentation that he makes. He actually dresses in, in period appropriate wear and, uh-huh. and narrates a story as if he were uh, one of the uh, members of the Black Robe Regiment. Just, well, you know, you know, of course, Garrett Lear is also one of the uh, Black Robe Regiment uh, folks. Uh, he's been to camp a number of times. In fact, I'll, mm-hmm. I'm speaking to his uh, Sons of the American Revolution uh, in New Hampshire. He's become the state president, so I'll see him Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's the one that uh, we had him in downtown Boston at a flag raising, raising the Gadsden flag a few years ago, and he's in his. He's six foot seven, and he's in his outfit, and he's got a firing musket. <laughs> but nobody mm-hmm. bothered walking around downtown Boston with a musket. But nobody bothered him. I don't think I'd bother anybody who was six foot seven with a musket. I think I'd better leave him alone. <laughs> you no. should, yeah. But this, this, their muskets were huge. I mean, I oh, you I should see yeah. me holding Prudence's musket. It's practically bigger than I am. Well, how oh, I yeah. found that? I found that poem. You want to hear about it? Oh, certainly, please. Yes, yeah. Okay. It says uh, now. This is about. Prudence Wright's brother recognizing that it was Prudence that was guarding the bridge. The poem says, um, not one further step I ride, one who rode with whiting cried, tis my sister Prue, alas, she would never let me pass, save when her dead body fell, I turned back from Pepperell. <laughs> <laughs> you see, and that's why that made me angry when, you know, when we were together, Hal, and, and the lady said, well, you know, they didn't really care that much about a, the women. The, the, the bravery and the, the victory that these women gave our liberty movement is being actively denied. Is being, by, by the people, by, by the feminists who should right. be extolling these people, the, the virtues Absolutely. of these women. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Mercy Otis Warren is the first American playwright, the first American woman historian. I mean, she wrote a three-volume history book, and 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 we, the the very women who are supposed to be empowering our daughters, don't even want to recognize that she existed. It doesn't fit that they have to have this perpetual victim mentality, and that doesn't yeah. fit their 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 the narrative. It just right. like uh, there's a lot. There were a lot of great uh, black patriots of the revolution who gave right. their lives. And uh, I was in a in a face, Facebook uh, debate with 
this 50-year-old retired policeman, black man, who's uh, I guess sounds like a black nationalist, and he just sort of completely um, disavowing it was all it was just about greed. And you know, I'm thinking all these 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 black patriots who wounded on on Lexington Battle Green had fought at Bunker Hill that were almost all the every major battle. Brandywine, uh, Germantown, you know, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. And I think that, that you uh, should send them some send them to my website, Hal, and read the several articles that I have about the 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 patriots of color and and how the how the Constitution ended slavery, how the revolution's full one exactly, of the main exactly. motivations of the revolution was to gather independence from Great Britain so they could end slavery. We don't That's teach right. in our history books how that it was Great Britain that was mandating slavery on the American colonies. I mean, we had Virginia was actively trying to end the slave trade in Virginia, but Great Britain actually threatened Virginia when it was a colony, uh, not just with economic sanctions, but with military force if they ever stopped the slave trade. Now, I think Virginia was the first state uh, in the 1770s to do away mm-hmm. with uh, the slave. Now, they still had slavery, but they right. did away with the slave trade. And the bottom line is that only a only a small percentage of people own slaves. Now, the people in the North are so self-righteous and so, well, we did have, well, you did, you had slaves, yeah. but it wasn't very profitable. Um, uh, in well, it's funny, when you, when, you, when you read the debates, how uh, James Iredell, uh, Madison takes notes from these debates, and James Iredell says that, you know, we, when they're talking about the three-fifths clause and ending the slave trade in 1803, uh, James Iredell remarked that he didn't think that even uh, Connecticut or New York would go along with the Constitution if there was an immediate ban to slavery. So they need to get over their self-righteousness for sure. That's right. Exactly right. In fact, the reason why the Amistad landed in New, New London, Connecticut, instead of New York, is because Connecticut still had slavery. Although it was just a mm-hmm. hand, there weren't many slaves, but the mm-hmm. bottom line, it was, it was still being practiced. And uh, so that's one of the classes I taught last year at camp of America's Black Patriots of the Revolution. And uh, there's a Black Heritage Trail in Massachusetts, in Boston. And there's a meeting. There was a meeting house meant church back in those days. And it's actually, it's still, the, the church still owns, I, I think they still own the, they don't practice, they don't have a service anymore. It's a historical place. Uh, but I think it's administered by the Parks Department, but it's owned by another entity. And it's like three different entities, uh, either run it or own it or control it or what have you. But that was the church. That was where people met. And that was where mm-hmm. the revolution was fomented. But I, in my study, I learned about a black militia unit. They were mm-hmm. called the Bucks of America. The Bucks and they of have America, flag. yep. Yes. And they had a flag, mm-hmm. which is on display at the Massachusetts Historical Society. And they passed and reviewed John Hancock's house, which used to stand right next to where the state house is now. And they had the utmost respect and admiration, and they walked around Boston carrying weapons. You know, they, they weren't, I don't know if they were in a lot of pitch battles, but they did a lot of the important work, you know, guarding the prisoners and other types of jobs. No, uh, and, well, you have uh, George Middleton, who was, uh, was a Buck of America, who fought in Brandywine in Germantown. They, they, no, they were fighting yeah. all over. You know, I mean, they were, oh, yeah. they were in the battles, that's for sure. No, what, what I'm saying I, is that the, this, this Boston based group, specifically, oh, but absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, there, there was at least two blacks at Bunker Hill, Peter Salem mm-hmm. and Salem Peter Poor. Salem. Course, mm-hmm. Peter Salem and Salem Poor. It's kind of easy to remember. Peter Salem and Salem Poor and, and at Lexington. At, when they do the reenactment every year, there's a gentleman that plays Prince Estabrook. Prince mm-hmm. was probably in his early 20s, 
And this gentleman, Charlie, his name is Charlie Price. He's in his early 80s now. And I don't know how long he can get get shot on on the green, but he's still in pretty good shape. But uh, he and Prince was a slave, but he got right. his freedom from, and he spent he spent a lot of time fighting um, in New York uh, on the Continental Army. In fact, the, Con- the Continental Congress uh, it was forbidden for blacks to serve, but Washington, he, there wasn't a Tenth Amendment in those days, but he he figured there'd be one eventually. He just ignored it, and he enlisted <laughs> yeah, he blacks. Did. They enlisted. Mm-hmm. What are you going to? You're going to go to the law and say you're wrong. And so yeah, he violated the law, but it was for the right reason. And well, there were had, provisions. Um, there were provisions throughout the, the states, not all the states, but several of the states that said if you're a slave and you want to fight for liberty, you are automatically free forever. So that that's, was that's right. Quite a few. Yeah. So there was a big contention because the um, the British uh, troops were making similar uh, claims. They were telling the slaves, we will arm you to rise up against your masters. But then, you know, telling them once we gain control, you will still be a slave. It was the American colonists that were freeing those that were fighting for liberty. And there's another, the famous painting of the uh, crossing the Delaware. There was a black, now there's some, I've done some research on that. His name is Prince, was Prince Whipple from New Mm -hmm. Hampshire. And he was a slave, but he got his freedom. Now, they don't think that he may have actually crossed the Delaware. He was definitely involved in the war, but whether or not he crossed the Delaware with Washington is uh, maybe historic license. So uh, I like to believe that he did, but I think it mm-hmm. indi- indicates that the black Americans were there from the very beginning. They shed their blood, which is the same color as white Americans, and it's important to acknowledge that. And, yes, well, we're I- always going to have racial issues. That's, that's because of our sin nature. But instead of dividing the races, stuff like this should bring the races together. Well, not only that, I mean, I think I think that it's it's very dishonorable of America today to not give these people their due. I mean, we had, like I said, we have provisions in the state that said if you're a slave and you want to fight for liberty, you are now a free man forever. But in that, we must recognize that there are some men who gave their only free breath so that we could be free. And we don't even learn about them. I think that's very, very disgraceful. Uh, has, has your has your study brought you to James Fortinen? Jane, what's the last name? Fortinen. I don't think so. Oh, look up James Fortinen. James Fortinen uh, was 14 years old in um, in uh, uh, Pennsylvania when he actually heard he was a free he was the the son of free blacks. And he actually heard the reading of the Declaration of Independence, and he ran out and and joined a Navy ship. And his ship was captured by British troops, by another Navy, a British Navy, and he was brought aboard the ship. And because he was a, a young boy, he, uh, the captain sort of, of the British ship uh, favored him and offered Fortin the opportunity to go back to Great Britain with him and become a companion to his son. Now, he would still be a slave, mind you, but a companion to a, a captain of a, of, a, of a naval ship would be just an amazing lifestyle mm-hmm. change for him. And he refused. He said, he said I'm here to fight for the liberty of, of my people, and I won't become a traitor to that cause. And they threw him into the prison hold where he stayed there and uh, for seven months until there was a prisoner exchange and he was let free. 
But at 14 years old, this young black man stood for liberty. Wow. And people like his memory should be um, should be well known to people, and unfortunately, it is not. Well, Miss uh, Chris, we only have two minutes left, so uh, shortest uh, thirty minutes in radio. Uh, tell <laughs> folks where they can learn about you, uh, where you may be. Spe- are you still traveling around the country, or uh, you're going to be doing that? Or yes, we are. We're we're having for certain reasons having to sort of cut back on that a little bit. Um, but we are still traveling uh, in a limited fashion. Where can people learn about um, your ministry? Where can they go to find at, out more information? At chrisannhall.com, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com. And I just want everybody that's listening to know that I believe this is one of the best camps in America to, to get the training on the Constitution and the experience, uh, because you have brought together some really, really great people. And I, I, I tell you, I do not take it lightly, and my heart is deeply moved that, that Colton and I will not be there this year. Well, you're going to be missed, and the welcome, <laughs> Matt, is always there for you and your wonderful family. Thank you. Well, Chris, thank, thank you, you so much. much. God bless you, and we'll definitely stay in touch. And uh, All right. thanks for listening. Until next week. Uh, You've been listening to Camp Constitutional Radio on WBCQ The Planet. Uh, Good night and God bless.